Welcome to the experience. Sharing insights into the future of customer and employee experiences with Avaya. Welcome to the experience. I'm your host, Steve Forkham, and today we're joined by Matt Kamen, principal of St. John Lutheran School in the greater Chicago area. Matt is here today to discuss how they are delivering a safe, mobile, and more connected learning experience for their students. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. So why don't you start by just sharing a little bit about what you do at St. John's Lutheran School? Yes, at uh, St. John's um, Lutheran School, we are a preschool through eighth grade. Lutheran school that provides Christian education to our students, and not just Christian education, but we want students to grow in strong academics, social and emotionally, also in uh, their gifts and talents that God gives them. That's great. Now, what brought you to St. John's Lutherans? So I uh, started out teaching um, computers to uh, preschool through eighth grade students in Indiana, and I was there for about four and a half years, helped develop a one-to-one program with the middle school. And um, I knew right away when I went into education that I wanted to go into the administration role. So while I was a teacher, I took courses, got my master's in administration. I wound up going to Emanuel Christian Academy, which is a hillside, part of the Northern Illinois Lutheran District, which St. John's is part of. And when this job opened up five years ago, I was encouraged by our district advisor to apply for uh, this position. Oh, that's great. So. The experience in 2020 must have been dramatically different than the previous years of your career. I mean, almost oh, yes. instantly in, you know, February-ish of 2020, the world changed. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the buildings that we were learning in were no longer considered safe places Correct. to gather. So can you share with a little bit with me about that experience? What, what, what happened when you thought about moving, you know, remote? What were some of the obstacles that you had to deal with and how did you do it? All right. Yeah. Um, no, we had uh, quite a bit of obstacles because uh, we were not planning, you know, had no plan for remote learning at all. Some schools I know in the fall were piloting like remote learning days over at St. John's. We do not take snow days unless it's like really bad. Then uh, so we were not like going to uh, uh, even think of like trying to do remote learning. But then when shutdown happened, we had to do it. So uh, we had quite a few challenges where being a small school, we do not have a technology IT person on staff to manage the hardware, manage the network, our database. Miss myself, pastor, um, any teachers who are tech savvy, they uh, help out with that. Our students had devices they use in class, but we did not let them take them home and they were used uh, devices. They were donated to us. So they did not have them. newer devices that was standard. So that was one obstacle of trying to find a platform that would work on multiple devices because some students had Chromebooks, some had laptops, some had iPads, MacBooks. Another thing we had to look at is being a private school, we are managed on, you know, tuition-based. So we need to make sure that we were not just providing a strong education academically for our students, but that the parents felt that they were getting that strong academics during this time. So then they would continue to uh, pay for school because we did not offer any tuition discount during remote learning, even in the spring of 2020 or last year when we were fully remote all the way through March. We informed the parents that 
know, the teachers are working hard to provide the best education they can for your students. We still need to pay our teachers. We still need to cover our expenses because even though no one was in the building, we still had, you know, had the lights on, run the electricity, the heat, water. So we started to take care of that side. The challenge was trying to find a platform. First, that was the, the challenge, trying to find a platform. And I did some Google searching. And of course, Zoom and Google Hangouts were the first ones that come out at the top. But I was hesitant with Google Hangouts is my students, younger students, they don't have school email accounts. And I didn't want to bother with being at home trying to get them to learn how to log into a school email or even have their parents, you know, try logging in every day. Zoom, I reached out to them because there was a, a limit at the time. And you had to say that you were working out of school to um, get the time limit taken off. Well, Zoom never reached back out to me uh, to say like, hey, you know, your time limit no longer applies. That You could be on as long as possible. So I reached out to a former teacher of mine that I had at my previous school that was principal at. And she's a principal of another Lutheran school now. And uh, she mentioned she was using Avaya just for her class, 7th, 8th grade, not for the whole school, just for her class two days a week. So I Googled found that there was a three-month free trial, and I signed up, and it was easy for me to use, and where I knew the teachers who were not tech-savvy would be able to use it right away. And I liked the idea that it didn't require younger students, especially, to sign up for an account, that I could just give them a link, and they could click on it and sign in right away. So that was like from the tech size, like, okay, I don't have to worry about creating new accounts, just click a button, join. So what I did, we were, we moved our schedule around where we had a spring break was originally going to be in April. We moved it to March. So that did buy me a little bit time to get things situated. So uh, luckily our students had all their textbooks. Illinois said we could come back that Monday, March uh, 16th, I think it was. And that had to be the last day. So we had everyone come back to get their books. And we also had at that time, because we thought we'd only be out for two weeks, not the whole uh, month or month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, we had teachers. Back when we were naive and we thought this thing was going to blow exactly. over after a couple of weeks and, you know, just go work from home for a couple yeah. of weeks. And, you know, little did we know. Yeah. We did not know that it was going to extend so long. So we thought we were just going to be out for a week to two weeks. Um, the teachers made uh, packets to for the kids to work at home. So what I did that first week that I made considered spring break, readjusting it. I individually met with the teachers online using Avaya and meetings to show them how it worked. I said, okay, well, here's on this side. You're going to see the usernames. You're going to see, you know, their uh, microphone icon, their camera icon. It shows it was blocked. Or if you mute them, here's the chat. Here's how you could do attachments. Show them how to create their spaces because since it was all brand new, there was no like administrator side on the free trial for me to create all the sessions. I had to have the teachers create their sessions, and send me um, the links to email out. So I met with the teachers that first week. And then the Monday of the following week, I did like a little, uh, throughout the whole day, like a tech type uh, workshop with the middle school parents. I said, here's like a link to a space. I want you to sign on parents and students to make sure it works on the device that your child is going to use. And maybe even your device, if you have to, you know, log in for a parent-teacher conference or something. So that was real helpful because I was able to see from that day, like, okay, who we might need to maybe lend a Chromebook out to. So I did that with middle school on Monday. And then that 
Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, they had their packet. So it was just, I, I put it as a pilot. Like, we're, hey, we're going to pilot video conferencing, remote learning. They have their information. Teachers are going to teach from what they gave out. And then that Wednesday, I piloted the elementary students having them and their parents log on in to my via a tech link to see, make sure it worked on theirs. And then I said, well, the following week, you guys are going to begin your remote learning. So I kind of like staggered. So I didn't have all the kids going on at once. With And that worked out really well doing the staggering. Uh, so I was able to put out little fires here and there. And we really only had to uh, loan three kids uh, Chromebooks in the springtime because the devices they had at home wasn't uh, working. They had like little older devices. But otherwise, from uh, tech side, I was not getting emails from parents saying that, you know, Avaya wasn't working. Like my sister, the high school she went to, they used Google Hangouts and Zoom, and they were having technology problems galore with those two programs. And we never had any of what was called like the Zoom bombing going on or the Zoom hacking. We, so we never experienced that. So from the security side, we were great. Yeah. With that. That was that happened in my daughter's class. My daughter was a senior in high school and that happened in her class. They were using a different you know, distance learning platform. And they had an incident where somebody joined a classroom, made an obscene gesture. I won't repeat yeah. what it was. And then just repeated obscenities. And the thing that blew my mind as a parent was the fact that the school had no recourse to figure out who did that. Correct. You know, they're, they're guessing uh, one of the students must have passed a link to somebody else or, you know, something along the lines. And it just boggled the mind that this is a tool that we're leveraging for underage children to, mm-hmm. you know, conduct learning. And, you know, they're being exposed to something like this. That just boggled the mind. It's, it's impressive that, you know, there was a lot there that you just said that was impressive. I mean, the, the first thing that was just from a security perspective that you didn't have any of those issues, you know, thank goodness that that didn't happen. You know, you also mentioned something I thought was fascinating that only, th- how many did you say? Three, p- three students needed devices? Only three we had to loan Chromebooks out to, yeah. Out of how many students? Last year, or actually, no, that would have been the previous year, 2020, that would have been 72 students. Because we even wow. had preschoolers on doing remote learning during uh, this time. That's another thing that boggles the mind. I, <laughs> yeah. My nephew was in kindergarten during distance learning, and I don't understand how you can, you know, God bless those parent, those teachers that have the patience with, you know, kindergartners doing distance learning. Cause I can only imagine he's, he's like a little jumping bean and I can only imagine, <laughs> you know, a, a screen full of these, you know, young children that are super energized to, exactly. you know, trying to corral those. Now, luckily we had the privilege of, you know, being a smaller school, like our class sizes are smaller. So the pre-K kindergarten class was about like 10 students. So mm-hmm. how that was set up, because you're right, they're like, could it be all over the place? I remember the first week, it was fun going into the sessions because it was kind of like show and tell. They want to like show off their bedroom or you know, bring the computer and show you know their pets and stuff. So that was cute the first week. But it, how the early childhood teacher had it set up was they met together as a whole group in the morning and then a whole group in the afternoon. But during that in-between time, since it was a smart class, then she met online individually for like, say, 35 to 40 minutes. And then um, luckily, you know, we had rarely, really supportive parents that were able That's key. to be with their uh, students and make sure they, yeah, that's definitely is key to make sure they, that they were doing the work that was assigned mm-hmm. to them. That I think some of it with remote learning is that, you know, how much support did the kids have at home? 
with uh, with the help, especially the younger age uh, with it. Yeah. And that's it's not just tech support. And I think one of the things you talked about, aside from the fact that I didn't realize you guys were using older devices and the ability to you know support basically everybody on whatever device they were using and only have three folks that you needed to handle it obviously helps with overhead because as you pointed out, Correct. you're not only the principal, you're also the IT leader and having exactly. to deal with all this stuff on the fly. So that obviously must have helped the transition, you know, going from in-person to remote overnight. Oh yeah. It could only happen in a week that we did that transition. And I was surprised that like the school I started my uh, one-to-one program with as a teacher, I mean, that's a school of 750. So they got the resources galore and they, all the middle schoolers have their own Chromebooks and it took them about a month to get into a full remote learning process. That's crazy. You know, it's funny in, in the professional world, the whole remote experience has been this amazing idea that all of a sudden now, you know, you have this, this push from the workforce of, I want to work from home. I want to work from home. Mm -hmm. And frankly, a lot of businesses are looking at it saying, Hey, productivity didn't really miss a beat during the pandemic. I mean, you know, we were able to leverage new technologies like video to enable our workforces to stay connected and stay engaged. But in the education sense, by and large, and maybe this is just what I'm reading, but it feels like the general, you know, perception of remote learning has been, it's been a failure, right? We can get the kids back into schools as fast as possible. Exactly. Has that been your experience with this? And, you know, I've got a follow-up question to that, but what's your experience been with a year and a half or so of remote learning? Well, yeah, I agree with your comment of, yeah, and education remote learning has definitely been viewed as a negative and was um, not welcomed and by, by many. We did not have that because uh, we were actually planning in the uh, fall of 2020 to go back every day in person. That even though we had a, a great experience with remote learning, you know, we were like, okay, we get the kids back in person. We put shields around our desks. We installed all the hand sanitizer stations and changed all our um, washers and flushers out to automatic. But then cases in Illinois started rising and the parents were, and we even have parents who are public school teachers within a local area. They were like, you know what? You guys did such a great job with your remote learning in the spring compared to what their neighbors or friends said about their kids or even own school districts they work for. They said, no, we're fine paying full tuition for you to continue for remote learning into the start of the 2020 school year and for however long it takes. Because we set up a schedule where you know, it was like a regular school day. The kids are on, especially middle school, they're on from 8 to 2.30. And every 40 minutes, they were go- they met with their math teacher, and then they logged off, you know, or not logged off, but switched to a different session, met with their language arts, met with their science. We did Spanish online. I did the gym classes online. Did- how, does that <laughs> yeah. how did that happen? So how did that happen is I would find some workout videos, and I would uh, put the link in and say, follow along with the workout video, especially when it was a little colder outside. Or I'd find hmm. some uh, games, like workout games online, and I'd start demonstrating. Then when it came a little nicer out, I did allow the students, if they um, 
their parents allow them to to put their phone on their bike and ride their bike around the neighborhood or uh, that is so cool <laughs> go for a walk yeah i mean yeah, even this year we did the same thing. you're basically like peloton for the kids that's amazing exactly it was and at least i got to see them doing exercises and working out during that time because my sister's no offense to her gym teacher but it was like take a picture send it and you know, I guess it should have been a better uh, example. But I eventually told my sister, just pause. Let me take a picture and send it to you because your teacher is not watching you work <laughs> out at all. But we did our class online. Um, music was a little tricky with the feedback, mm. but they at least got music uh, theory with it. We even did STEM online. So we provided them with kits or told them what materials they would need to do their uh, science oh, okay. experiments. Oh, that's very neat. Oh, yeah. So we had every single class covered, even with the younger grades. They were not on as many hours as the middle school because there was recommendations on how um, many minutes kids should be in front of a screen at certain ages. But they had their classes basically all online, maybe just shortened a little bit. So it was like a regular full day that we implemented right away in the spring. And I got the idea from the local Catholic high school because I heard they were doing it where, you know, they had iPad one-on-one system and they were making students log in every single period to meet with our teachers. I'm like, well, you know what? This high school's doing it. Most of our students go there. Like, let's see if I could do something at the elementary level with that. And yeah, it was an easy schedule for the teachers to follow and um, the students. So I think that's where some, maybe some of the negative comes with remote learning is some schools probably did not structure it to be like a regular school day. It was more like, hey, log in, submit an assignment, you know, by the end of the day, you know, you get your A or B. It was asynchronous. Yes, exactly. And I think something that comes to where school communities, you know, they might have shared ideas, but there was no like this policy or procedures on how remote learning needs to be followed. We had more like guidelines. So depending on how a school district or a school wanted to view those guidelines, probably guided how they did the remote learning plan. So your your parents are paying for their children to attend your school. And they were telling you, it's okay. Remote Correct. learning is was such a good experience. Yes. Keep doing it. Let's get some more of this. Yes. Wow, that's fascinating. And we did all the way through March last uh, year. <laughs> yeah. Now, as an educator, what's been your experience? You know, I, I say in the professional world, professionalism was graded on a, on a curve. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody cares whether you're wearing a dress shirt and a sports jacket anymore and you know, the dogs barking, the kid, everybody kind of graded it on a curve because we're all in yeah. the same boat. What did you find was the experience with children learning remotely? I mean, how much of a curve were they being graded on? Our students were, we were not grading on a, a curve. Now, when remote learning did start, we changed the uh, percentage a little bit because we have a high percentage uh, grade scale here at uh, St. John's where it's 95 to 100 is an A, 80 five to 94 is a B and so on, where like law schools do like 91 to 100 is an A, 81 to uh, 89 is a B or 90 is a B. So we changed for that spring to accommodate because it was all brand new to us, but we sure. didn't want to do a pass fail like some schools are doing. We wanted the kids to be held accountable. And if you don't hold the students accountable or even their parents accountable, then yes, that's where it's like, okay, well, this is a free for all. And no learning doesn't take place. No, kids really do want to be disciplined. They don't say they want to, but they they want that structure. Even adults, they want that structure. So, but when the fall started, we did not change any of our grading skills. We went back to our normal. We uh, said, you know, this is school, so you need to find a quiet place. So I was emailing some parents, letting them know that, hey, you know what? 
there's a little noise going on or I can hear you having a conversation in the other room. So please either, you know, move your student to a different location or you move to a different location. So your student has a quiet space. We said, you know, they have a lunch break that was built into their schedule. They don't need to have their bag of chips or candy next to them while uh, they're eating. We didn't get into a lot with the art with the dress code, but we said they had to be, you know, they couldn't be wearing their tank tops or their pajamas. They couldn't be laying in bed or sitting on a couch. They had to sit at a table and have all their stuff uh, out there. So if they tell the teacher at any time, like, oh, no, I don't have my book with me. I need to go get um, my book. Well, you know, you're unprepared. It's like you'd be unprepared in the regular day. So our expectations did not change for the students uh, at all. We even had a, a couple that we said, I think you need to bring your kids here and we'll have someone watch them because they're not, you know, paying attention uh, at home right now. So we had a couple of those uh, situations. So we, we didn't curve uh, our expectations. So how much of that performance do you think was based on the fact that the technology became transparent? Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't something that, you know, was an obstacle for students because of the devices they were using, because of the education you know, you didn't have an IT staff that could, you know, spend weeks training faculty and then students on how to use this stuff. How much of that performance do you think was getting students back into that normal routine? Like you talked about discipline, the the routine. And, and I, I believe kids really perform their best when they have a comfort level. And it feels like from what you're describing, even though they were apart, it still felt like they were together and they were, you know, keeping to that routine of, of classroom sessions and moving from session to session virtually instead of physically. Yes. How much of that do you think was attributable to that? Oh, I think a lot of it was um, was contributed to that because we didn't have to worry about the technology being the issue. Kids not being able to get logged in or, you know, the is uh, the hacking someone joining uh, a session it was easy because even if there was a little issue we just you know resend them the, the link or telling them to log out log back in so when you take away you know a possible situation it now allows you to focus just more on the academics and routine so having a program like avaya allowed us to just focus on our academics and even on the social side i called it like social you know, well we are social distancing but like virtually social distancing because kids still had a chance to interact with each other every day online so yeah they were not physically next to each other but the emotional side and social side we didn't see that hindering our students here that they, uh, some actually became friends through remote learning because so they couldn't see each other in person. They had to find ways to talk out of school. I remember in the springtime, since it is a, we're using the platform for school purposes, I would wait to um, the students would all, all log off of uh, the session. So they wouldn't be like chit-chatting using uh, the class session. And uh, they uh, saw I wasn't leaving and they go, you know what? Who has who's uh, like Snapchat or Instagram uh, accounts and they're like exchanging accounts and then they all signed off and then went to like a social media platform uh, and, mm-hmm. and that. Um, and it also allowed students who did not verbal, who not normally verbally express their thoughts or opinions in a class to, to feel more comfortable at home because you didn't have that physical presence of uh, your student. Like me, I was uh, surprised. I'm a shy student when I, when I was in class. I didn't really like talking uh, much or raising my hand. I was afraid sure. if I got the answer wrong, you know, what my classmates think. I mean, there's still students like that today. And this platform allows students to 
feel more comfortable. And, you know, the chat, you know, that was, you know, just send a nice little chat, answer a question there. So, yeah, it worked out great. <laughs> That's great. Now, what have you found as the kids have returned back to schooling in that transition back? Have, have they hit the ground running? You know, have there have you seen any type of impacts to remote learning as the kids are going back into the to the physical space? So, yeah, we started um, three weeks ago and uh, yeah, we definitely hit the ground running right away. And the impact I have seen is the difference between our students that were with us and the new students we brought in, that the new students, it's getting them into the routines that some of them are still having trouble on how to follow along on a page or, or go down the paper, find the questions, even turn pages through a packet or a workbook. See, our, all our kids last year had all their textbooks with them. So it would the teacher would say, okay, open up to page 25, go to question six, and we're going to start working. So, you know, those routines were there. We're, we're seeing with some of the new kids is they don't have that structure of of how to follow along or even how to turn in and complete assignments that we're saying that they will turn in an assignment be half completed and we'll say, well, you know, why isn't completed? And the response is, well, I turned it in. It's like, okay, well, it needs to also be completed at the same time, not just turned in. So we're seeing that as a impact and even some areas where they might not have covered. We're like, could I help out with teaching elementary math? And we're going over right now rounding to nearest tens and hundreds. And I put an example of a number line up and some of the uh, newer students were like, they never seen a number line before or learn how to wow. round to the 10. It's like, okay, that okay, I need to backtrack. because yeah, So I have like half the class is returning and we're, they're moving on and I have the other half that's brand new and I'm trying to get them caught up. Wow, that's, that's, that's going to be an interesting kind of research point for years is the yes. impact of the students who participated in a remote learning environment that was effective mm -hmm. and the ones that, you know, had a lot of distractions, you know, whether it was technology distractions or other distractions. You know, a lot of parents are blaming, you know, their child's on education on remote learning. And I get it to a point, but some of it also has like how much support did you provide at home at the same time sure. with it. So, yeah, it's, it will be interesting, like you said, the research over the next few years come of, you know, the difference with it. So what is uh, St. John's Lutheran looking forward? How, how do you take what you learned during the pandemic and the technology and how are you guys applying that forward? I know you mentioned earlier that you didn't have snow days. As a kid, I used to pray for snow days certain days, right? <laughs> yes. You know, and and once I went into the professional space, I always kind of used to think, why do, why is there such a thing as a, a snow day? Like the kids can learn, you know, over video conferencing, and everything else pre-pandemic. Right. What, what do you see moving forward coming from the experience you went through? What lessons are you going to apply moving forward? Maybe make changes with? Yeah. So definitely uh, snow days. If we know ahead of time that we are going to have bad snow for a day or two in a row, then we could have the kids go back home with their books and meet remotely for that. Our participation in meetings like our PTO, school board, and other groups we have by being remotely has increased. And I think some of that has to do with you know parents don't have to run home, make dinner, and then leave to come to a meeting. That we just, you know, run home, you know, not run home, but you could get home, you know, take your time making dinner because all you have to do is log on and you're involved in the meeting. So I think those things will definitely uh, continue. Also, I uh, 
we have one class that when it comes to a discussion, they're not the, they, they like to talk, but they don't like to participate in in-person discussions. I recommended that teacher like, well, you know what? They like to talk in the chat online. So maybe have them take out the Chromebooks and just have like an online discussion within the, uh, the class. And then um, one thing we're actually looking at doing because there is a teacher shortage throughout the nation. And right now we're experiencing a, a teacher shortage here. We're down one teacher that possibly looking at someone that could maybe teach until I find an in-person candidate remotely for that class. They have the kids log in on their Chromebooks. So uh, it's allowed us even when kids are out, going to be out for a long period of time, if they're going to be ill, to just have them log in remotely with us. What was your parents' feedback about remote learning, the technology? Was there any feedback? I'm assuming so, especially with the increase in participation with, like you just described, the PTO stuff. You know, what what was your parent feedback on, you know, the whole remote learning experience and the technology that was uh, deployed? Yeah, they loved it, especially when I'm hearing from parents or public school teachers in the area saying that your plan was better than what our school district put together. You know, that's great to hear because there were a small little school of under, you know, 70 students. I mean, this year, this year, 63, that just makes the teachers feel good that, you know, the, the parents were happy with that their kids were learning and that they felt that their kids were learning. And that when the parents said, hey, we're fine remote learning, doing it again, you know, that was positive. Because some teachers felt like, hey, you know what, you know, I'm doing it, but am I really doing a good job? And I said, well, you know, parents are willing to do this again. So, yes, you were doing a good job because our parents, if we do something bad, I'll be getting an email real quick. And I was not getting an email at all about like, hey, you know, I don't feel my child's learning or they're getting a quality education or, um, you know, they're having trouble socially at home. They're, you know, feel depressed. You know, the kids enjoy themselves because we still did dress up days online. We actually have a dress up day right now in person I'm doing baseball. So I'm a Sox fan. <laughs> so I got my Sox uh, gear on. Nice. But we did those dress up days last year. We still able to do our assemblies last year. Parent-teacher conference, parents actually liked it last year with parent-teacher conference because everything was just online. They could just email a teacher saying, hey, can we meet virtually later on tonight because I have some questions and concerns. So a lot of for a lot more uh, communication between teachers and uh, parents. That's awesome. So we were full remote learning all the way through March last year, and we had uh, only three students that did not come back, and it wasn't this year, and it wasn't because of remote learning. It's just that they went moved out of the area. That's awesome. So I want to thank Matt Kamen from the, let's see, I, I've been writing down notes, Peloton instructor, IT department leader, math teacher, and principal of St. John's Lutheran School. I want to thank you for joining today's show. Thank you for having me, Steve. <laughs> I'd like to thank Principal Matt Kamen for joining us on this episode of The Experience. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. This has been The Experience with your host, Steve Forkham. To learn more about Avaya and how we create experiences that matter, visit our website, avaya.com.